You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Oh, boxers can take anything. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Do you wish maybe you didn't say what you said about Cousins? I'm here to talk about the game. No, about that. That was a big part of it, Cousins. Uh... Any other questions besides about Kirk Cousins? How do you think he played today? He did a great job, dude. He played good. You know, that's awesome. And they can't break that. So I just found out about it like 20 minutes ago. Dan Graziano um, talked to me on the field and mentioned it. I didn't even know what he said. I really do, um, you know, stay ignorant, not read anything, and that's for my best interest. But uh, uh, Zach was a teammate in Washington. He's one of the better linebackers I've played with or against. Have a lot of respect for him. And uh, um, you know, if you're trying to write a story about how it was a motivator this week, it, it wasn't because I didn't know about it. Okay, Judd, Rami and I were kicking this around earlier. All right, if you're if you're Zach Brown and you don't want to be asked about Kirk Cousins, <laughs> but you but you're okay being asked about the game, which is what he said, right? Listen, if anyone has any other questions, not about Kirk Cousins, but about the game, I'll yeah. answer questions about the game. And in the game, Kirk Cousins throws for 330 yards and four touchdowns and hits Stephon Diggs three times for home runs. Yep. Like what? What questions are you allowed then to ask Zach Brown under those pretenses? Well, That's it, my question. It got asked. How did you think Kirk Cousins right. played? And he said, "Great in the game." But the best. But right. the best. The best one is question two, which and this is the difference between the market here and Philly. Somebody shot back with, "Well, that was a pretty important part, don't you think?" Yeah. Like, you dumb SOB, you said it, now answer for it. In Philly, they'll go after you. They don't care if you're a football player. They don't care what you do. That guy's like, I think you're missing the point here, Zach. You opened your mouth on Friday, answer for it today. I love Philadelphia. That's why they're so great. But I love that, yeah. I, I'm I'm just here to talk about the game. Yeah, you, you played against Kirk Cousins in the game. Like, that has everything to do with the game, dude. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. Yeah. And I don't believe... Like Kirk Cousins touched the ball on pretty much every snap of the believe, game. I don't believe Kirk Cousins. Oh, who does? I don't oh, believe, no, I don't no, believe no. Kirk Cousins. Not, no. He heard it. You think he, he heard you don't it. think he was oblivious to it? Of course he heard it. He well, heard it. His teammates talked about it. I feel like, talked about it. I feel like his his taking the high road was also a way to take a swipe at Zach Brown. I would have taken it one step further and forgotten Zach Brown's name. Like I would have been like Zeke, whatever his name is. Yeah. I don't know. I think I played on the same team as him, but I didn't hear those comments, whatever they were. Zach Brown? No, I went to a concert a couple weeks ago. That was great stuff. <laughs> but Zach, Zach Brown actually took a calculated gamble by saying that because he gambled that if I say that there's a 50-50 chance that Kirk is going to fixate on my words completely and mentally fall apart. Do you think he, he thought that deeply about it? Or do you think he just... My theory is we've gotten so comfortable, everybody. I mean, everybody except for Kirk Cousins' family has gotten so comfortable with, well, he's just not good. He's not good. And the Eagles were clearly so comfortable with the notion that Kirk Cousins is he's not good. He's not a good quarterback. Look at that Bears game. Oh, my God. Look at that game against the Packers. That they were leaving Malcolm Jenkins single high 
all game long with two of the best wide receivers in the NFL thinking, I'm this guy sucks. He can't throw this pass. Yeah, which was, No, but like he can still throw those passes. Of course he can. And he can still beat but, teams over the top. But it's it's Zach Brown was banking on the mental game, which is I spent a year watching Kirk basically mentally melt down. I bet he does. And he didn't. Because Kirk Cousins, and here's the credit, the credit to the Vikings to me starts off the field for, for this game more so than on the field. This was a game in which they did coaching staff-wise, players, but coaching staff especially, in which they introduced a game plan that made Kirk good. This Literally, this is a guy who, if you if you go Stuart Smalley on, on him, <laughs> Kirk, damn it, you're good enough. You're smart enough. You can do this, Kirk. And doggone it, people like you. Yes, but that, it's true. <laughs> it works. It works. Listen to his postgame pressers. Listen to him talk. Listen to, watch him play. If Kirk Cousins gets off to a good start, and I'm not even talking a great start. I'm talking a come out, complete a pass here. Quick pass. Just quick passes. Quick, quick, quick. Or or play five. Yesterday, he misses digs deep. Guess what they said? Okay, that's fine. Try it again. He hit it. If you build up Kirk Cousins as his teammates and coaching staff, Kirk Cousins has the potential and now, now, if you're playing a really good defense, I'm not sure. But if you're playing an okay team, or, or in this case, an Eagles defense that pass defense is terrible, if you build up Kirk, Kirk can thrive. But if you say, oh, Kirk, geez, you fumbled again, and I'm starting to doubt you a little bit, he's a mess. Some of it is also as simple as he had a clean pocket for, I don't know, 75, whatever the numbers came out to be, like 75% of his dropbacks, clean pocket. And so it's it's less about the mental preparation of Kirk, and it's more okay if you just put him back there and give him a couple seconds to not panic. Okay, he's he's one of the twenty best quarterbacks in the world, and he's going to make you pay, especially if but he you got one on one with Stephon Diggs all game. But he and but at the start of that game, what I really liked, guys, was he got the passes off quickly, so clean. Yeah, he talked about that instantly coming into the week and using using yes. quick passes, using the screen. Game. They did every everything that all of our shows talked about last week. They essentially did. Including getting off to a, a quick start. Absolutely. That was one thing I, I talked about a number of times on Friday. Hire Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Just that's, hire us. I mean, essentially, that's, consultants. No, it's true. that's what we're saying if they want our services. <laughs> no, it was free. They got it for free. For now. I mean, they streamed it. AM. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. Mobile app. I don't know how they did it, but they got it for free. They don't need to pay us. But we essentially gave them the blueprint for how how do you attack uh, Philadelphia as quickly as possible, and Cousins can thrive, and he thrived. Good for them. He nice is. Win. They showed a graph earlier today on NFL Network or ESPN, and it, so for, for the next question, which is, okay, has he turned the corner? Has, where, where are we at with the evolution of Kirk Cousins in this offense? And before I answer that with, uh, with sort of a, an audio graph, if you will, I think beating the Eagles in that fashion and putting up those numbers, I, I really think, I'm not going to say he's turned a corner and has become a top 10 quarterback again, like maybe the Vikings thought they were getting when they signed him a year and a half ago. But, okay, when you have a game like that against Chicago and you're 0-2 in the division and you're on the ropes and people are crucifying you and you back it up with, I get the Giants aren't a great team, but that's a road game, it's in New York, and you play like that. And then you come home against Philadelphia, and your record against winning teams was well-documented throughout the last couple weeks, and they put the graphic on the screen during the Fox broadcast yesterday. Five wins against winning teams in his career, which is ridiculous. That's crazy. Five. Yesterday, he picked up his sixth win against a winning team in his career. 
And I think, I'm not going to say again, he's not a top 10 guy all of a sudden after this, but he had one place to go after that Chicago game or things were going to get really bad. And yeah, things were about went, to get ugly. He things, went in that direction that he had to go, which is up. Things could have potentially gotten very ugly for Kirk Cousins here in Minnesota if 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 they didn't turn it around after the Chicago loss. I mean, Adam Thielen can point the finger at us all he wants. Both his star receivers were not happy how things were going. I'm not saying that they were necessarily mad at Kirk Cousins or pointing a finger at Kirk Cousins, but you had two star receivers both pointing out how how pathetic this pass offense was four weeks into the season. One of them wasn't getting just about any targets and was damn near ready to be traded. He said himself, there's truth in all rumors. And Adam Thielen was saying, look, we have to figure out how to complete deep passes, which isn't something that a receiver should have to should have to pipe up and say, but but he did, and if if things if things had continued to go the way that they were, that was only going to get nastier and and harder for Mike Zimmer and the Vikings to contain. Oh, but they still could, Rami. Oh, I'm not saying that they're out of the woods. So let's look at it this and way: that the woods aren't on fire. Do you guys think what we saw and the last two games, and especially yesterday, are nice building blocks? Like they're nice games. Yeah. And and Philadelphia's pass defense stinks, but but that team, unlike the Giants, is not a dumpster. Fire type of team. That's a nice team. All right. That being said, I think said, we might find out that that Eagles, just like we found out with the Falcons, ooh, and I was I saying it at the time, I don't think that we that might bad. find out that the this Eagles win is it's it's not going to be ranked as highly as we might think. That's it is. possible, but the Falcons win now is like, of course you beat them. They are a dumpster fire. Yeah, that's gotten bad. But do you guys think now, next time that Cousins and this offense faces a defense like the Bears again, just a really good stout. They can stop the run. They can stop the, the pass. Do you think the Vikings have the patience to watch what they tried to do and what was ultimately pretty quickly successful on Sunday? Fail, fail, fail. Because the thing is, if the Vikings give up, let's say, 15 points, okay? 17 points, not that much, right? So so do Zim and company have the patience and ability to watch this offense fail repeatedly but continue to go back and try try the same thing again because eventually, if it works, you can win 17-15, and who cares? What are you saying? Are you saying that... I'm saying if Cousins has... If you run into the Bears, the Bears game, I sensed that they said, the shot to Thielen didn't work. Oh, my God, this isn't going to work, Kirk. And, and instead of going back to Kirk and being like, Kirk, it's going to be fine. And by the way, we need to coach you constantly. Kirk needs to be coached constantly. So this is not a go out there and do it. This is a go out there and here's what you have to do for us. When you face the Bears again, does this coaching staff have the patience to to watch what succeeded pretty quickly on Sunday against Philadelphia fail until, let's say, the third quarter? But then if it hits once or twice, you win the game. Because because they do... Like deep pass approach. Yes, because they they bail quickly because of impatience. But the key with Kirk is you have to tell Kirk we're going to be patient. And you have to coach him constantly. And, And as soon as you say, bleep it, this is too much trouble... That's when you lose football games. Yeah, I think, I mean, like, just, I don't think the formula for this offense is all that difficult. Like, it shouldn't be. You've got but two amazing wide receivers. You've got an, I would even argue, you might even have two amazing running backs. Alexander Madison has looked damn good it's in the first really six good. games. And in a couple games, he's been the better, I mean, I'm not, he's not better than Dalvin Cook, but he's had the better game in a couple different games. He's good. And so, you know, if, if you can just, this is so much easier said than done. If you can just, 
create an environment where Kirk, listen, man, like no one's asking you to win this game. Nobody. In fact, even if we are asking you to win the game, we're really asking Stefan Diggs to win the game. That's what we're doing. He needs to beat a guy 40 yards downfield, and you just put the ball up. No one's going to ask Kirk to have a precise 11 for 14 drive in which they go 90 yards. Like, that's not the formula for this team. You know, and, and this is here, here's my, here's my graphic uh, in audio form that I want to share with you guys in the audience for the question of, all right, what, what do you do going forward? How do you prepare, like Judd's saying, for the Bears next time around? Did Kirk Cousins turn a corner? This is Kirk Cousins, game-by-game game QBR, going back to the last handful of games last year. Not, I'm not even going to tell you the opponent. I'm just going to give you his 1-100 to 100 scale QBR, and you guys can decipher what you want from it, okay? All right. All right, Kirk Cousins. Let's go to the last handful of games from uh, last year. Okay, so 50 is average. 100 is perfect. One is, uh, who was Judd's quarterback in the cesspool challenge a few weeks ago that had a one? Or was it Rami's No, I had um, Simeon from yeah. the uh, Jets. Like, so yeah. Tre- Trevor Simeon, Simeon. Totally unfair. blindfolded and throwing the ball backwards. I mean, <laughs> so one to 100 scale, okay? Yeah. Kirk Cousins, yep. 28, 44, 88, 23. Ooh, that's the Bears game. 52, 8, 84. Eight. 84, 17, 61, 91. So you've got like, that's that's the last, that's how many games there? 10 games or so? eight against Green Bay? The eight was at Green Bay. In week two? The 17 was at Chicago. Yeah. Last year, the 28 was at Seattle. The 23 was home against Chicago. Uh, the lighted up performances, you had an 88 against the Lions on the road. You had the 91 against Philadelphia. You had the 83 against Oakland. And you had a couple above-average performances against the Giants and the Atlanta Falcons, and that's my point. Mm-hmm. He's going to have another 15. He's going to have a couple more train wrecks this year, and he's going to have a couple more games like yesterday where he throws for 250 or 300 and three or four touchdowns. This is Kirk Cousins. And, and this no, is Kirk Cousins. Nothing is going to change about Kirk Cousins. Like you asked, did he, ta- did he change a corner? I don't even know if you finished asking the question. You started to, and then I think stopped yourself. Well, did and, he turn a corner? I mean, this is like he's continually turning corners and right coming into back a brick wall. Right, it's a circle. <laughs> when, you, when you keep turning right. corners, you're going in circles. Um, I, and I don't think anything has necessarily changed about Kirk Cousins. What's changed over the last two games is circumstances. And you have to keep, I think the key to, to Kirk Cousins and the passing game's success moving forward is what we've seen the last two weeks, and that's keep Kirk Cousins and this offense out of must-pass situations. Keep the offensive line, most importantly, out of must-pass situations because they've shown time and time again already through six weeks they're not good enough to block a defense who pins their ears back and is dead set on chasing down Kirk Cousins, and we've seen what happens to Kirk Cousins when he's put under pressure. I don't think that's changed. We haven't seen anything to indicate that that's changed because that hasn't really been tested in the last couple of weeks because they've kept themselves in situations where the defense is at least guessing. In, against Philadelphia on Sunday, they weren't running the ball successfully, but Philadelphia had to keep thinking they might they might run the ball here. We can't just go all out on the pass rush, and I think that's that's the key is keep this offense in situations that are not must-pass, and that has... Probably less to do with Kirk Cousins and more to do with the offensive line. Must pass is fine. Just short and quick. Short and quick. And if you use that pass as a type of run, and then occasionally, right, play action, go deep, 
But I think that, that this starts off with coaching, and it's a fundamental philosophy of you've got to get the ball to to Diggs and Thielen and Cook quickly. Koivu? Very quickly. Parisi, Parisi who scored an empty net goal today. Wild one, breaking news. I can't believe it. Um, but And it's a, it's a bad win, too. They played today? Yeah, it's a bad they win. They played an afternoon game. Thanksgiving in Canada. Right. Oh, it's, it's Thanksgiving. Very exciting, yeah. Today, Ottawa, yeah. Ottawa was yeah, uh, very, very good. exciting. We should have done the Canadian anthem before the show. I can sing it. But anyway. Um, the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. You know the words. I grew and, up listening to it at hockey games I think we constantly. made you do that for a punishment one. And yeah. I think I did it pretty well, In too. French or English? Um, English. Okay. Sorry. I think I know a little bit bit of the French, but I might butcher it. Punishment. Judd sings the Canadian national anthem in French. In French. Yeah, but I, has to be I, might accident, I might accidentally swear then, and uh, I'd be in trouble. We, we, can always, we can always record it ahead of time. But you wouldn't know, because I'd swear in French, and then so, someone who who streamed the yeah. show in, I think you in can swear uh, Montreal it, would call. I think you can upset. swear in French and not get an FCC violation. But don't you guys think that if you go short passing game, bang, 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 occasionally deep, I, I think that there's ways... I think there's ways to coach Kirk to be successful. My only question comes back to what I said before, which is if you play the Bears again, that's that's a defense that's really damn good. So that might get tough. But I think if you're playing the Philadelphias, if you're playing good but not great teams, Kirk Cousins can be successful. But I think it's going... And and the other thing, too, is, as Collar and I discussed on the podcast yesterday, you've got to be willing to lean into the Kirk experience. (laughs) <laughs> lean into the game. And Mike Zimmer hates this, but it's true. The Kirk, lean in. But think about this. The Kirk experience is going to be some bizarro stuff. It is. I, just, right? I mean, the QBRs are all you need to know. Lean into the, lean in on a 1 to 100 scale. Like lean if, into the 17s. Because you're, <laughs> you're going to get an 80. You're never going to eliminate the the bizarro freak show of the Kirk experience. Yeah. So lean into that, embrace it, accept it, because that's the only way that you're going to get the flip side, which is the good. I mean, the. It sounds really know, bizarre. The, there are, you know, again, uh, she plugged for Score North Live, which you can hear noon to two now. Uh, now that the Twins show has uh, gone into radio hiatus for a while, but we did a Twins show today, Derek and I. ScoreNorth.com and the ScoreNorth mobile app, so you can find all these things. Yes, sir. But uh, no, not yet. We haven't gotten to that stage yet. <laughs> that long, tomorrow. long off season, Jack. Derek and I are going to do that tomorrow. I think. Start trend, guys. Yeah, we. I mean, he's already got a full list of shocking and stuff. It's going to be Moves. amazing. Yeah, I, Gar- Garver gone. Uh, I, I've traded Garver. I've traded Barrios. Wow, get them all. How about Garver here. last night on Twitter? He's right. No one scores any runs. The, anymore. the ball's been changed. Yeah. No, I know, but that takes some uh, <clears throat> guys gumption to. You're not. That. You're not questioning the infinite and unmatched wisdom of Mr. Rob Manfred, are you? Oh, I never would. Come on. You know I never would do that. Please. I'm yeah. a huge fan. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's have a record number of exciting home runs and bad flips, and then get rid of those things during the peak moment guys, of interest. You guys don't get the baseball technology, okay? Rob Manfred knows what he's doing, okay? Let us let's not question him. Yeah. The guy's a genius. Yeah, we'll get to that. I mean, he's done such a good job since he's been commissioner of baseball. I don't think, I think he's earned that we don't question him. I can't, I just can't wait till the playoffs next year where I don't have to see these constant pitching changes because you got to face three guys. I can't wait for that. I mean, he'll have fixed baseball completely by next year. Because if I see Aaron Boone come out of the dugout one more time on Sunday night in Houston, very exciting. I'm going to go to my roof and jump right off of it. Anyhow, back down the football road over oh, here. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. So here's the, and you tell me if, if you think this is good news or if this is pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. There have been, uh, there have been Kirk Cousins experience type quarterbacks in the last 20 years that have rings. Joe Flacco was an experience. Eli Manning is the experienced quarterback of all experienced quarterbacks, right? Like is the Eli experience, isn't that? 
He is the poster child for wild swings in performance. He'll throw five interceptions over here, and then he'll go four games looking like a Hall of Famer in the playoffs. And that's the thing that we have to find out in the second half of the season here. Philadelphia was a great start. And I would even say the Giants road game, again, not a great team, but it's a road game. It's a, it's a, it, I think it was a season on the line type of a game. Can Kirk Cousins, even though he's not going to give you eight straight games of Tom Brady, like he's not going to do it. He's going to give you another clunker in here. But can he put together games like this against more winning opponents to make you feel like they can run off three of these in January? That's the biggest question that needs to be answered the next two months. Can they rattle off, can he rattle off performances like this against winning teams, road opponents, primetime games? What's your faith right now, both of you? Better than it was 48 hours ago. On a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, sure. That he can keep doing this? Enough, that, enough to not, get you to the playoffs. So there's going to be keep doing this regularly. It's can he do this more often against better opponents to get than he you has to the previously in his career? I need to see him against better opponents do it because you you just told me he's now won six games against teams with a winning record. Six. Well, it was five twenty four hours ago. And last week, I don't remember the stat, but his QB rating against top ten defenses is downright pathetic. And I know that they're top ten defenses, and that's what top ten defenses do to quarterbacks, but his numbers were extraordinarily bad against top ten defenses. So I need to see him do it against a good defense in a shootout type of game like yesterday where teams where the Vikings and whoever it is that they're playing are going back and forth, blow for blow, and momentum is swinging back and forth, and see that the Vikings and Kirk Cousins can hang in there and answer those shots when it's against a, a better quality opponent, and especially a better quality defense. Yeah. On the well, road? Well, my, my faith is low there. Well, let's go through, let's, let's segue. Let's go, I mean, the, the schedule is in front of us. Mm-hmm. And there's some games on that schedule that a couple weeks ago we said, oh, good luck. Well, there's been some losses by teams like the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Let's actually reevaluate the Vikings schedule based on what we've seen from Kirk Cousins the last couple of weeks. We also later on are going to have uh, our buddy Jamie Watson in studio. Tom Pelissero. Thank you, Jonathan. I forgot to put Tom Pelissero on the sheet, but How Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights. Yeah, you left him off all the game. I'm sorry, Tom. You joined us all sorry, season Tom. long. It's my bad. We love Tom Pelissero. Guy comes back from vacation, completely Chad, forgets should, about his friends. You should tweet Tom and let him know that Phil forgot all about him. <laughs> tweet him. I'll tell him when he comes on. <laughs> you can just ignore my questions today. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company here. Federated, a Minnesota-based company going back to the early 1900s in Owatonna, Minnesota. And they've been helping business owners for just as long. You can get a full list of all the industries that Federated represents and uh, works with at federatedinsurance.com. But think about the peace of mind you get when you have an insurance company that gives you more than just a policy. They give you that experience I've been talking about. They give you a face-to-face relationship. Insurance, it's a necessity for a business, but it's also something that uh, you don't want to have to think about on a regular basis. If things go sideways or things go downhill or you run into unforeseen problems, you just want that steady guiding hand like Federated provides. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, again, since the early 1900s, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. Federatedinsurance.com to find your Federated Marketing Representative. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. I, I felt like this was the first time that the coaching staff actually was able to game plan 
around the weaknesses of the other team, what we can do to score against them, rather than trying to hide Cousins' weaknesses. They're running back family that was able to just get one-on-one with our linebackers and no coverage. I mean, if somebody, if a good team looks at that, I mean, I don't know why they didn't exploit that more throughout the day. And then to, to your point, Manny, on the, like, what the hell were they thinking trying to run a fake field goal instead of just putting points in the board? That was Viking Ventline yesterday here on Score North with myself and Manny Hill after the Vikings' victory over the Eagles yesterday, 38-20. to This is Mackie and Judd with Rami on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. And when we when we started this Vikings season, Mackie, you were saying better make hay in the first eight weeks of the season because things get really hard in the second half of the schedule. But you alluded to this before the break. You're... Our perception of teams changes over the course of a season, and some of these powerhouse teams that are in the back half of the Vikings schedule are not as strong, or at least to this point, as we thought they might be when the season started. Chiefs look vulnerable. Cowboys look very vulnerable right now. Seahawks have shown some weaknesses. The Chargers look like a shell of the team that people thought they would be when the season started Suddenly, the Vikings schedule in the second half not looking as daunting as as we had originally thought. I say Kansas City and Dallas, even though they're on the ropes right now a little bit. And, of, of course, every time Dallas loses a couple games for how, how long has Jason Garrett been there now? A decade? Nine years, I think. I think this is his ninth year. Like, can they not have a slight hiccup where they lose a couple games in a month and is not have the owner come out and threaten everyone's jobs? Is everybody as entertained as me at the shot of Jerry Jones' press box or Jerry, Jerry Jones' box whenever the Cowboys are struggling? And it's just... Disgruntled or dismayed. Now, what's Jerry weird Jones is he, he doesn't run the team now. His kid does. That's Jerry, what's so weird. Jerry talks publicly. Like Jerry twice talks a week, right? all the time. But if Jerry Jones ran this team, Jason Garrett fired six years ago. There's no question. You think so? Oh yeah, Jerry. But Jerry, turned, See, I find it hard to believe that Jerry Jones isn't really still. Running oh no, things. no. If Jerry Jones, here's how you you know that Jerry does not run this team. If Jerry Jones runs that franchise, Johnny Manziel is their draft pick. <laughs> He was gonna. He wanted Manziel, and his kids like story. dad. His yeah. kids like dad. No, don't be a moron again. And he's like, okay, I, okay, son, I won't be a moron this time. So, how many teams in the NFC would you say are definitively better than the Minnesota Vikings? Definitively better that you say, yep, I know that that team's better than the Vikings. I went through this list actually with Collar. In fact, I've got it right here. It's at least three. Uh, okay, I've, it's it's at least three. Uh, Saints better. Yep, San Francisco. Not based on offense, but based on defense, I think they're better right now. Saints with Breeze better. I like I like me some Bridgewater, but okay. Saints, Saints with okay. Breeze are better than the Vikings. But you just you asked me for teams, so I'm going sure. Saints, 49ers, and God love him, he's so good. Seattle, Russell Wilson, you're just phenomenal. Uh, right now, I put the Vikings sixth behind Green Bay and the Bears. The Bears, I'm on the fence about, but that defense is still, I think, good. But I could be talked out of Green Bay or the Bears very quickly. The only three that I I feel pretty strongly about are the Saints, the Niners, Seahawks. Yeah, I'm right there with Judd. Those three teams. Those three teams are definitely better. And then I think right after them, in a in a big bunch, like Judd was saying, I think it's it's the Vikings, the Packers, the Bears. Probably throw the Cowboys in there. Like it's the NFC is very bunched up. It's nobody is really knocking your socks off or, or blowing the world away. And even those three teams that we're talking about at, as the, the top the, of, of the NFC power rankings, if you will, they, they're they not untouchable or, or 
it wouldn't shock me if they were knocked off early in the playoffs. Like everybody is so close, closely bunched in the NFC. It's it's. I haven't seen this in a while. You know, I hate to put a ton of emphasis on October games and what they might mean for January, but honestly, if you if you win these next two games, you are in a great spot for the second half of the year. It would make you six and two going into those two tough games. It gives you some padding to lose at Kansas City or lose at Dallas. If you split these next two games and then you have to roll into those and you still have Green Bay and Chicago on the back end and a Monday night game against Seattle (laughs) in December, I I say these next two games, they might not look ominous. They might not look like the standout games on your schedule. But if you truly want to do something late in the year, if you want to win this division, if you want to win a playoff game or two and you still have Super Bowl aspirations, go beat Detroit on the road and, and come back home on a short week and beat Washington. And also for Kirk Cousins, two sneaky telling games for him too because it's a road game against an above 500 team in Detroit, right? And then it's a short week game against the team that wouldn't sign you to the long-term contract that you wanted, so it could be one of those Kirk Cousins mental games. Prime time. Go 2-0 and in these games, get to 6-2, and and make an actual push. I think these next two games are going to tell you quite a bit about the Vikings. My best guess is they, right now, just guessing they lose on Sunday at Detroit they probably smoke Washington because Washington's just bleeping awful it's on Thursday night I know and Peterson comes back here and Keenum comes back here but man are they bad um the game that though the game if they're doing well coming out of the bye the one that excites me so much primetime Monday night at Seattle A, a year after that debacle and Kirk in I believe going into that game is winless in his career in Monday night games. Give me that game, man. Let me see. And and again, it's about managing Kirk. So this is not about Kirk. You got to go to Seattle and win that game. It's about Kirk. Can you do enough here not to pass the ball backwards, not to drop the ball? Our defense will play well. I I honestly think that in one month, if the Vikings are, are as successful as possible, they're in first place, and we're all like, boy, I mean, this turnaround's great. The conversation is going to have more from what can Kirk do, what can Diggs do, what can the offense do, to, man, this defense is lights out right now. And the offense is doing fine. But I really think, ultimately, if this team is going to be as successful as possible, one month from now, our conversations are not on Cousins. They're not on run-to-pass ratio. They are. They start with defense and then include, oh, yeah, and the offense is playing well. Yeah, because yeah, going back to what Phil was saying about quarterbacks of the ilk of a Kirk Cousins in the past, if they won Super Bowls, they always had really good defenses to support them. Always. Joe Flacco, Brad Johnson, uh, Trent Dilfer. Peyton Manning with a broken neck. Um, you like you go go down the list of mediocre quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls. They all had great defenses, and Kirk Cousins is middle of the pack. Like even even peak form, Kirk Cousins is somewhere between ten and fifteen yeah. in terms of QB ranks in the NFL. You could I, here's another fun exercise. If you were to rank all the quarterbacks based on what they're capable at their peak of doing, he's higher on the list than just like his average baseline. Because he's so capable of doing the train wreck thing, the Eli Manning thing, except maybe even worse, that it brings down his overall standing. If you were to rank 1 through 32 starters just based on, okay, their overall level of play, all the good, all the bad, he's like 15th. Mm-hmm. somewhere. Between, people could argue anywhere between like 13th and 18th, I think. Mm-hmm. 
if you were to just rank them based on, okay, what do they look like at their absolute best when they can sit back and throw darts? He's higher than 15th. He's probably closer to like 9th or 10th in the NFL. If you take yesterday, if you, if you, okay, if you, when it comes to this exercise, remove all thought processes and remove all doubt and just say, go play. I think this guy's good. I think this guy's damn good. Now he, you know, he doesn't run great. I'm not trying to, to say that, that, that he's Carson Wentz because in watching Wentz, I was like, whoa, this guy is an athlete. He's really good. But if you put cousins, if you put a completely calm cousins back there and say, Kirk, just physically show me your, your attributes. I think he's damn good. I think the problem becomes, but you haven't won in prime time, have you, Kirk? And that's why I think Zach Brown tried that. I think Zach Brown very much on purpose tried a stunt because he, he knew from having spent his season with Kirk that if you get into Kirk's head, anything can happen. Yeah. I mean, there are certain athletes that for whatever reason, and, and, and sometimes, Postseason and prime time, yeah, they can be small sample size glitches. But once you start to get out to four or five years as a starter, and you start to build up five, 10, 15 of those games. And a prime example, we just saw his team get bounced from the baseball playoffs, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Now, Clayton Kershaw is better relative to his peers than Kirk Cousins is. But, you know, there's just like, there's talented guys who, when the pressure is a little bit less, they look like Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers, they look like Kirk Cousins. At home against the Falcons or against the Raiders, um, it's it's when the when the pressure gets dialed up, and that's when chips are on the table. What do you look like? And I would I would submit that yesterday there weren't a ton of chips on the table, but it was a good Eagles team. It's an Eagles team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot that that might even win their division when it's all said and done. And he had his best performance as a Viking. That, that was probably to, his best game and best win as a Viking yesterday. It, it was what, 20, 21 to 3 at one point? Or 24 yeah. to 3 at one point? And they started to come back, and I said to myself, this is going to be very intriguing. And you know what? Cousins and that team basically said, uh-uh, no. Which is which for, for them might seem like a small thing, but to me, with the mentality of this team, that's a fairly big step. I agree. That was the first time they got up big on somebody who threw a punch back at them. Exactly. When the Vikings delivered the yep. first blow and put them down, a team got up and started fighting back, and the Vikings didn't didn't back down to that. They showed that they can they can go toe to toe with a very good Eagles offense, a really good Eagles offense. I don't know if everybody is is aware how good Carson Wentz really is. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that the dude is really good at what he does. Cool. Yeah. And for me, I, I agree with you, Judd. For them to answer the call to a team that got up off off the canvas and threw some punches back at the Vikings, it was the first yeah. time they found themselves in that situation, and they answered it. Yeah, there are some quarterbacks, and Andrew Luck was one of them too, Carson Wentz, uh, Pat Mahomes, obviously there's uh, probably five or six others like Russell Wilson. These guys who can escape pressure and then just buy like five extra seconds to throw a ball 30 yards down the field to somebody. It's crazy, you know? though. And, that, and, and Carson Wentz is one of those guys. Deshaun Watson's one of those guys. Andrew Luck was one of those guys. Carson Wentz is a big guy, too, though. And, like, he just ducks down and bang. He's free. Yeah. Uh, By the way, the Vikings, fifth in the NFL right now defensively in yards per play allowed. There's a huge gap between the number one and number two teams and then the rest in the NFC especially. The Patriots and the Niners are allowing 4.1 and 4.3 yards per play defensively. So if you're wondering about the Niners and you haven't watched a Niners game yet this year, that's the best defense in the NFC so far on paper. The Bears might have a fight, too, to, to be in that mix. 
the Vikings are fifth though in yards per play allowed. So and that's that's better than like total yards. There's other things you could go off of. Pro Football Focus has their own rankings, but I like to look at yards per play allowed because it's just kind of a base level of are you allowing yardage per play in uh, in mass? And the Vikings are a top five defense by that metric. Is that good enough? Compared to the level of play Kirk Cousins will give you the next two or three months, it should be to do what you want to do. Yeah, I think if you have top five defense, if you have a top five defense, this team should win ten games. This team should end up with ten wins if you have a top five D. Well, I mean, right now you you should have. I, I think the Bears game you lose still, okay, but the Packers game that's a win. That Packers game was a win. Like you gave up twenty one quick points, but you came back. You had every chance, right? And you and I think you gave up twenty one points by what midway through the first quarter or so, and then you came back. There is no reason on God's green earth that you didn't win that game. Your defense, your defense gave up fourteen quick points, short field then because Kirk fumbled, and you came back. And there is you should have not easily, but that was a win that you basically punted on. Yeah. Uh, by the way, all kinds of Vikings coverage and in, in written video and audio form on scorenorth.com. That's S-K-O-R North.com. We are the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We have uh, two daily Viking shows during the season. Vikings Vent Line at 11 a.m., 10 a.m. on Mondays or days after Vikings games with Judd and Danny Cunningham. And Purple Daily with Matthew Collar. And contributors like Sage Rosenfels and Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin. And you can find that as a year-round Viking show uh, as a daily Viking show year round, and you can subscribe to Purple Daily Vikings Vent Line and or Mackie and Jeb with Rami anywhere you find podcasts. The Scornorth mobile app is a great place to start. We'll get our buddy Jamie Watson in here from Minnesota United to hang out. Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on a Vikings Victory Monday. Jonathan here with the Scornorth download for this hour. This download brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank. Minnesota Golf Show, Minnesota United opens up MLS playoff action this Sunday at Allianz Field against the LA Galaxy at Score North. And Score North, we're looking to send you to that game. Just have the Score North mobile app, be registered, and enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Sunday's game. And don't forget, you can hear that game right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app with the pregame beginning at 7 p.m. and kick at 7 p.m. 30 and a story is nice in three parts. Let's start with part one. Zach Brown from Friday. Cousins, uh, you know, I think every defense is going to want that guy to throw the ball. Part two after 333 yards passing and four touchdowns. Play action. Cousins to the end zone. It is Diggs. It's four touchdown today. And the finisher, part three. Zach Brown asked about his comments in the locker room after his defense gave up a monster day to Kirk Cousins. Do you wish maybe you didn't say what you said about Cousins? I'm here to talk about the game. <laughs> okay. You know about that. <laughs> Any other questions besides about Kirk Cousins? How do you think he played today? He did a great job, dude. He played good. You know? That's awesome. That's off to him, indeed. That's been your score on Donald. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Ron. That's amazing. By the way, Jamie Watson's hanging out with us from Minnesota United. I don't know. I feel like you can't you can't trash talk a guy like that and then be asked about him after the game is over. Uh, I want him to continue saying. I want everyone to continue saying controversial things. So I don't think we should grill him too badly. But your response can't be, "Hey, I'm not going to talk about Kirk Cousins. I'll talk about the game, though. Oh, the game in which Kirk Cousins threw for 300 yards. 
Cool. Good talk. Yeah. No, first of all, always great to be on with the boys. It's been way too long being back in studio with you guys. Um, secondly, if you're going to say it beforehand, you got to own up to it because let's make no mistake about it. If Zach Brown and his entire team would have shut down Kirk Cousins, he'd have been the first one to say, I told you so. But then when it gets the script gets flipped and Kirk Cousins throws for four touchdowns and make the makes the Eagles defense and secondary look amateur at best on the day, you got to own up and go, yeah, that was that was not smart of me to say that, was it? But don't for, forget now, Diggs has gone back now and been like, well, you guys made a big deal a couple of weeks. It's like, dude, you went AWOL. Yeah. You disappeared from your work. And the team fined you like $200,000. They, they couldn't <laughs> find you for three days, and now you're like, well, you guys, when stuff goes wrong, do you know what you guys do? You make it a big <laughs> No, we didn't quit our jobs. <laughs> it's Listen, hilarious. Can you imagine this? I've been on both sides of the coins now, right? Being, being media now. In a sense, I still did not go to journalism school, so I, I don't, I'm the fourth best in this room by a mile. Um, but, and having been a player, it's. Yeah, Jonathan's clearly fifth, right? Oh, Jonathan would be would be in first place in that room over there by himself. Yeah, exactly. Way to coach him up. Yeah, it's a it it says a lot about how much we in the media do talk about this. If you get two of the, just the nicest human beings in the world, Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen, both having to say "I'm sorry," everything's okay. Like it really does go to show how much this was out in the forefront of it. And man, that was a. Uh, a wild scenario, but it's amazing how winning fixes everything, doesn't it? Were you a big trash talker when you played? So my first couple years in the league, absolutely. But that was like young and stupid and just not really thinking that. Did, did this, you ever tra- talk trash and then have to eat your words like Zach Brown did? Not as bad with the chalkboard talk, okay, but absolutely on the field. And then later on, there were times when... Like a veteran would would knock me on my you know what in practice, and I would have to be like, yeah, I shouldn't have been saying stuff earlier this season, hon. Like Eddie Pope in particular gave me a lesson I'll never forget. The big guy, right? Yeah, he's like an absolute legend in the game for U.S. soccer, and I was that rookie that was you know, called for fouls in practice. Ooh, by the way, that's don't ever do that if you're an aspiring athlete. You ever get to be a rookie? So about halfway through the Were season, you practice too hard, guy. No, I was. I was. I thought like. I've been there and I've done that at the levels beforehand, so I should just jump into the pro ranks and have that credibility. That was a left. That oh, was an eighteen-year-old lesson. Like you. Oh, I hated myself. I would have I hated myself. Hate guys like absolutely. you that think they deserve something. So it took until about halfway through the year when uh, the play was going on, the ball was getting circulated around the back. I start to make a run, and Eddie lowers the shoulder that nearly rearranged my jaw and stood over me and said, "I dare you to call a foul." And I was like, no, man, that was a good play. Good tackle. <laughs> He's really good defending there. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was lucky I didn't have a wire in my, uh, in my jaw. But, uh, yeah, some life lessons being learned uh, on the field. And Zach Brown probably, I can safely assume, will probably never, ever say something so outspoken that his team has to pay up for what he wrote on the check. Yeah, I hope he, I hope guys I hope guys don't get too scared by uh by all of us media. We're just like let's 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 keep having fun with trash talking. I don't want trash talking to go away, but take kind it of, for kind a, of a weak salt. excuse after it was all over. Exactly. You're never as good as I say, you're never as bad as I say. Just don't add fuel to the fire. Don't say anything dumb that you're going to regret later on and just play, man. Let you play and do the talking. So we are, by the way, uh, Jamie Watson's hanging out with us. Minnesota United FC in their first ever playoff game in MLS. This Sunday night, 7 o'clock, pregame 7.30 kickoff. And we are giving away free tickets on our Score North app. All you have to do is download it. It's free to download for either uh, Apple or Android devices. You register, and you go to Listener Rewards inside the uh, the menu when you get there. 
So what is, I feel like there's almost a, a level of responsibility now. Every time a team fails like the Twins or the Vikings every single year, thank you, Lynx, by the way, for winning championships in this town. Um, I mean, there is, you're new in the last few years to, to MLS, and so it's not like having 60 years of pressure from that standpoint. There's still a honeymoon period here. But what sense, of, like, just being around the team and being around Adrian Heath, what sense of, of uh, responsibility to pay something off to fans in Minnesota, do you think there is, or is it is it not that heavy? Yeah, I think you make a good point, twofold, right? Because you, we don't have the the illustrious decades of Minnesota sports disappointment that always seems to inevitably happen. And I've been here for six years now. I'm all in on every team here in town, so I ride the wave. I feel the pain of when we start five and zero as Vikings, and then we end up just it goes abysmal from there. Um, you know, last year it just it seemed the same way with the same Eagles, right? But I think for Minnesota United, you don't have that necessarily, and this is the start of something that has been building over the course of three years. So now you get a chance to kind of write history. So it's not necessarily one that you've got to live up to history or you have to maintain the level that's been set before. You get to kind of go and set the bar. And this year, I think Allianz Field has been kind of the X factor for Minnesota United. This season, they were one of only four teams, I believe, that had um, they only had one um, loss at home or fewer all year. So everybody lost at home at least, but they had they were one of four teams that only lost one game or fewer. And 10-win season at home, I mean, they were incredible at Allianz Field. So I, I really think we're talking about a team that's making the playoffs for the first time, but the expectation is that they do need to win on Sunday. It's going to be a massive home field advantage. Look, we're welcoming LA Galaxy. It's nice in LA right now. People here can tell you it's not as nice here with the weather. So it's going to be it's going to be a typical Minnesota fall evening at Allianz Field. The lights are going to be on because it's going to be getting darker. It's going to be an incredible moment to be a part of. But I think Minnesota United is not just happy to be there. They expect to win this game. How do we get your your schedule reduced here? Well, that's I'd the like problem. Help, is we are like reduced to help right out now. Here. I'd like to help out here. How how do we get the season done? Let's say in in by now. <laughs> let's say we end in late September. Which one? As a sideline analyst, I would love that because I'm the guy that's in the trenches on the sideline when it's freezing cold. But yeah, it's on awful. Sunday it's gonna be it's gonna be dark when the game starts. So yeah, you definitely. So I'm trying to help out here. We well, MLS. MLS just worry did, about you, Jamie. MLS. Well, Judd, as always, thank you. I know You're you welcome. have my best interest. In I heart. always have. Since you the always day have I met since you. day one. You've always been great to me. Everybody on this show has. Um, MLS did condense their schedule by a month this year, and that was a, a case in which Minnesota United did not foresee. We were actually playing our last game at TCF Bank Stadium, where we put like 52,000. It was 50K to Midway. That game was on October 21st. So the first round of the playoffs with a week after the season ended off, which was this past weekend, okay. now you're still looking at it's been less than one calendar year since the final game of the regular season. So they are condensing it, but... It's it's you're always going to tinker with it. Maybe it stays this way next year. Maybe it goes a little bit shorter. Maybe it goes a little bit longer because next year is a World Cup year as well. Mm. All right. So playoffs now and when? Championship ends when? The MLS Cup final that Minnesota United will be playing in it will be November 10th. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did I just hear guarantee? Nope, because we just talked about that a couple of minutes ago. That's optimism at its height. <laughs> That's Minnesota sports optimism. Mackie, that is not a guarantee. I think we got him right there. I did not Zach Brown myself. <laughs> How's our guy Adrian doing, by the way? Adrian's is he, is, great. Is he stressed out over this, or is he calm? What's like? What's his Zen level? 
Like like ten being is there Ron Gardner, ten being Ron Gardner <laughs> frantic, and one being Rocco Baldelli. Uh, these games never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he's, he's at he's at a he's at a Ryan Saunders level of cool. Okay, I just he just Adrian is uh, as excited about a game as I've seen him in a very very long time, and I've known him for about a decade now, simply because he knows he has the team that can make a run into the playoffs, much like they did with the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup which is a tournament that if, say, we all wanted to get together and we wanted to make a Score North men's amateur team, if we won that and we qualified for the Open Cup, we could have progressed on and played against Minnesota United. It's literally a tournament that is open to every team. Should we put together a team, you think? Uh, what position would you play, Rami? Um, the one that I have to run the least. So you'd be our goalie? Sure, yeah. Okay. I'll be bad at it. Can you just sort of flop on the ground and at least protect like one bottom <laughs> corner the goal? I can't promise I'll be even good at that. <laughs> yeah, if, you know what, though? You sound hired. I'll you give it a perfect. effort. Hired. <laughs> Thank um, you. No, I, so that that was a run which Minnesota United went second in the tournament, lost in the final to Atlanta. So they got a little bit tournament tested already this year, yep. and they were able to uh, survive in advance. And ultimately, like any playoff structure, one and done this year for Major League Soccer, it is about surviving and advancing. And not a lot of people even pegged Minnesota United to be in the playoffs, but I think they've kind of quieted some of the doubters now, and that's kind of what the the playoff mentality has been. It's this say-shh mentality to any of the doubters. We'll just silently go about it. We'll get our business done, and we'll see where the chips fall in a couple weeks' time. Who were the main, like, like, were there any national talking heads that... Just said, no. This team is, this team is not legitimate. Like, or can you name them? Or are you going to get in trouble? No, I won't get in trouble because that's that's pretty much kind of what as an MLS soccer. Like what did Taylor Twelman say about uh, Minnesota United? So I don't think Taylor put Minnesota United in a perspective ranking leading up to the season, but the likes of Jimmy Conrad, who's a well respected um, face and a voice in, within U.S. soccer and in the media, he said Minnesota United finished eleventh out of twelfth in the conference which they ended up finishing fourth. They were second until the last day of the season. Um, I think there were very few teams, uh, very few people like uh, Matt Doyle, uh, Andrew Wiebe, Kalen Carr, only like one out of those guys. Those are the main people that have kind of the syndicated show for MLS soccer, kind of the weekly show or two here and there in the podcast. They were all kind of saying, at best, maybe they'll squeak into the playoffs and then kind of be one and done from there. So, And there's still people now that are predicting when they go and do their prediction shows with the brackets that are saying Minnesota United are losing this game. I haven't seen anybody say Minnesota United is going to win this game from those quote-unquote experts in New York. And they know their stuff. They work very hard. um, But it still just kind of shows that Minnesota United has to prove some people wrong in this round, and that's what they're looking to do. Right on. That's Jamie Watson, Minnesota United. You can find him on the broadcast uh, this coming Sunday, 7 o'clock pregame, 7.30 kickoff, the first-ever MLS playoff game for Minnesota United right here on Score North and the Score North mobile app. And also, if you are a soccer fan and you're not subscribed to the Score North United feed, you're missing out on the Adrian Heath Show and the Crafty Rogues, which are friends of the Mackie and Jub with Rami Show, uh, Quinno, Cosgrove, and, and Jonathan Harrison. So thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, thank you. Did you say something about we had a chance to win tickets? You were giving away some tickets? Score North mobile app, free to download, Android, Apple devices. And all you have to do is register and... uh 
Go to the uh, rewards, listener rewards section, and you have a chance to win free tickets to the game. Sounds Sunday. good because the game sold out, and the cheapest ticket I saw is about five times uh, face value right now on SeatGeek. So, wow. We have a super fun atmosphere. That crowd is, I and mean, that's one of the coolest sports experiences in the Twin Cities. You guys have seen so. it firsthand. It's insane. If you can find your way there, it will surely top it all this week, but uh, it's something special. And if you like that, make sure you're coming back next year, and hopefully, we'll, hopefully this isn't the last game of the season at home, but... If it is, it sure is going to be a good one. Right on. Jamie, thanks for stopping by. Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights. When we come back, Tom Pelissero on Kirk Cousins, on Vikings, and other things around the league. Time to wake (laughs) up right now. Time to wake up right now. Make sure you brush your teeth. Make sure you brush your teeth. Your breath is terrible. Dum, dum, dum. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Cousins, first down, going deep for Diggs. He makes the catch. Stephon Diggs, touchdown. 62 yards. Play action. Cousins, Diggs. He's got it. Touchdown. 51 yards. He threw it 29 times, not 10. So everybody can be happy now. Mackie and Joe with Rami oh, on the only Score North and the Score North mobile app. Zim. Snarky Zim, man. Zim's uh, Zim's feeling himself today and yesterday. He, he, had, he had some sort of a back and forth with a reporter about pro football focus, too, and how yes. Eric Kendricks is the number two linebacker, according to pro football focus, and Zimmer hates pro football focus, but he fifths, fifths pumped today. Yeah, he's so happy guys. about it. Good. He's feisty. I thought you were going to say he got mad he wasn't number one, but he actually... He, <laughs> he's happy. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, and uh, he joins us every Monday at 5 o'clock here on the show for Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights, and... What did you make of Kirk Cousins' 330-plus yards, four touchdowns, and a bunch of those touchdowns to Stephon Diggs? What did you make of that just two weeks after what we saw against the Chicago Bears? Well, Phil, it's not even just the numbers. It's the way that Kirk Cousins had that productivity. I I walked away from that game saying that's the best that Cousins has played, certainly in a Vikings uniform, maybe the best that he's played in a single game in his career. I mean, that's... That's the guy that players always say that they see in practice. He sees it, he rips it, doesn't hold back, and he absolutely shredded a depleted Eagles secondary yesterday. Now, you know, how does that translate going forward here? They got some tough matchups coming up, including uh, next Sunday against the Lions. I'll be covering that game for NFL Network. Uh, you know, we'll see, but those are the throws. I mean, that's, that's the $84 million quarterback right there. You know, not just the touchdown passes, but you know, look at where he's dropping those balls. Look at how he hits the deep shots. Look at some of the ones where he has to move outside the pocket, throw on the run. He's putting it on a dime. That's, that's the guy that they, they want to see, you know, week in and week out. And if he's, uh, you know, able to translate that going forward, then you see the Vikings are a very dangerous team. So is it enough Vikings fans should believe he's turning a corner, or do you want to see this against better defenses and better football teams overall? Well, I think we saw that in the early portions of last season, too. I mean, there were some games where he was absolutely tearing it up, and then there were games where he didn't play all that well. I mean, that's kind of the roller coaster of his career. Um, you know, he's been up and down over the course of time. Yeah, you'd like to see it against some better defenses. Detroit's got a really good one. I mean, that's going to be a, a supreme test for him. And obviously those rematches with the likes of the Packers and the Bears are going to be big games for him, too. But, you know, you don't always need him 
to carry the team either. It's just games like yesterday where you're facing a really good Eagles front. All right, you know that you're probably not going to run for 200 yards on him because Fletcher Cox is really good, Brandon Graham's really good, that front seven's really good. Where's the vulnerability? It's in the secondary. We talked about this all last week on NFL Network. You know, when Thielen was ill for a day, and of course, you know, everybody still has eyes on digs. It's like this is one of those games where you think those opportunities are going to be there to potentially get the ball to those guys. And sure enough, you know, unlike the game against Chicago where we kind of had the same thing, where it was going to be really tough to run on that front, he misses those shots. Yesterday he hit them. Uh, when he does that, I mean, when you play defense like the Vikings do, when you can run it like they do, um, yeah, that's a pretty good football team. Hey, Tom, beyond Kirk, too, how, how much is this also a uh, Kubiak-Stefanski production of, of them t- taking time to – Learn might be too strong, but to at least immerse themselves in what they potentially have here, get to know Kirk well, because it did seem like that game plan was really, really smart, quick passes, and that this might be an evolution as well in in the guys calling plays and designing the offense, um, tailoring it around the talent in a way that is gradually, but perhaps productively taking steps as well. Well, it attacks the defense's vulnerabilities. Yep. And that's what the Eagles had yesterday. I thought that they dipped into the fun bag a little bit. I mean, the, the end around, the reverse, the digs, where he ends up pump faking like Jason Williams in 1998 a couple of times out there, breaking ankles in space. I mean, it just looked like it was fun for those guys to do. It's a, it's a great way to get them involved. Early in the game, it was a quick shot, I think, on the first play to digs. Later on, you had a one-stepper out to Thielen, which I think is on the backside of his own play. Kirk has that freedom within the offense. You know, it got the ball in the playmaker's hands. That's like the basics of every offense. That's not to say that uh, Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak and company weren't doing that before, but you've seen a conscientious effort to make sure that they are, um, you know, exploiting all their weapons to the best of their abilities. You're not going to face a team every week that's down four of its top corners like the Eagles were yesterday, but when you do, you better be able to produce in the passing game, and they did yeah. that. Tom Pellicero, NFL Network, Mackie and Jeb with Rami here on the all-new Score North. So Stefan Diggs, very happy yesterday, three touchdowns. He was happy on the sidelines. He praised Kirk Cousins after the game. There was a photo or a video I saw of them embracing and sort of a half hug um, on the sidelines. So things are things are good right now, but where do you think, I mean, is there any chance, any chance Stefan Diggs is not a Viking at the end of, uh, of the trade deadline, and are teams making a serious push for him from what you're hearing? Well, first of all, the Vikings never wanted to trade the guy. They find him because he hadn't been showing up for work. It had been going on for a while, and they felt like they needed to do something. When you miss meetings and you miss practice, you're going to get fined. They didn't take the nuclear option and void his guarantees. They just said, we're going to fine you, um, you know, to you know, pretty significant degree. He comes back. Uh, you know, was not highly productive in the Giants game. But yesterday, you saw you saw exactly why they they want him as a part of this offense. Because when you have two receivers who are that good at a back who's as good as Delvin Cook, it's really difficult for a defense to figure out what are we going to try to take away. And if the quarterback's playing well, uh, it's it's even more difficult. I also was struck, and there was that that shot on the sideline. I think it was after the second touchdown where Kirk's trying to drink his water. Diggs comes up from behind him, grabs him from behind, and all that. That right there showed. Everybody wants to jump to the conclusions of Diggs' frustration was about Kirk Cousins and he doesn't like Cousins. Cousins was the quarterback when Diggs had his first 100-catch, 1,000-yard season. He's produced with Kirk. The frustration for Diggs was about the overall direction of the offense. They've seen Kirk be really productive in practice. They've seen him hit those shots when he does it in the game. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna keep everybody happy. But it was it was never about Cousins. It's about 
everything else with the offense. And if you have these types of games where Diggs gets to show what he can do, which yesterday also included taking a ball off the face mask, which he quickly atoned for. Uh, but he, he had a really good game. You get a few more of those. I don't think anybody's going to be too frustrated. Talking with Tom Pelissero of NFL Network here on Mackey and Judd with Rami, as we do every Monday at this time. Is is the NFC as wide open as it looks, Tom? A couple of weeks ago, I know I think a lot of people were looking at the Cowboys and thinking, that looks like as complete a team as there is in the NFC, but they've come plummeting back down to earth, and I don't see anybody who really stands out above the rest right now. I was just having that conversation with a scout today for another team. Really, AFC and NFC. I mean, yeah, the Patriots look really good, but I mean, the rest of the field, yeah, it does seem like it's a pretty wide open year. There's not a lot of teams that are completely out of it. Obviously, the Dolphins, um, you can put in that category. The Bengals seem to be in that category, but not a lot of other teams that are, you know, completely buried right now, in part because you've got divisions like the AFC North and the NFC East that are so tightly packed together. Um, there's a lot of teams that still see a path for them to be able to get back into this thing. But the Cowboys, it's it has been um, a little bit surprising just in terms of the way that that offense has scuffled in the past couple of weeks, facing you know a Jets team that they get their quarterback on the field again, but they're still a little bit beat up in spots, and Jets did a pretty good job uh, defensively in that game of being able to stymie the things that they – the Cowboys do best and generate some pass rush. Um, yeah, I mean, the 49ers are the undefeated team. They've been really impressive. Their defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, who has a lot of uh, WWE-style uh, pump-up moments on the sideline, he's, he's a legit coach, man. I've, I've been tracking him for a while. He's going to have potentially the opportunity here to be a head coach in the league sooner than later. You know, And they've given him a ton of weapons. I mean, when you draft in the top ten every year and you draft defensive linemen every year, your front should be good, and they are really good. they got those edge rushers right now. They lost one of their top corners, but they've been able to kind of plug and play with some other guys there. And the way that they operate offensively, I mean, everybody who ripped Kyle Shanahan for what happened in the Super Bowl because Devontae Freeman misses a blitz pickup and screws up everything on third and one and, you know, a 28-3 lead slips away. Kyle's one of the best, if not the best in the entire NFL at scheming people open. I mean, how many people listening right now can name the top four receivers on the 49ers? Yet they go out there, they have productivity, they're backs. I mean, Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, these are not a-list, $15 million a year guys. They they have a scheme that is really effective. They know how to use their weapons. Um, that's a team that has been impressive to this point, and to shut down the Rams the way that they did yesterday, I think kind of put everybody on notice that this is a team you're going to be seeing in January. How and why is Dan Quinn employed right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's in the Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan. I know. That's, uh, but, I mean, they've just, they're, they're a dumpster fire. If he could kick an extra point himself, uh, that yeah. might help him too. Because that game, I mean, they if Matt Bryant doesn't uh, yank that one, and that was not a confident-looking kick by Matt Bryant. I mean, it's one of those – that looks like me on the uh, the fifth tee at Braemar, knowing that the duck hook is coming before the ball even leaves the tee, and just walking away like, nope, that's in the woods. Um, you know, Dan Quinn has had – you know, he, he put himself on the line here by firing all three of his coordinators last year. You guys know when, when you do that, there's no one left to, fu- left to fire except for yourself. And Dan Quinn is coordinating that defense that is really struggling right now. Now, they've got personnel issues. There's no question about it. The offensive line, you know, has been in transition. they got a lot of weapons on that offense, but protecting Matt Ryan has been, you know, an ongoing issue. Defensively, losing Keanu Neal was a big deal. They've not been able to generate consistent pass rush. And then obviously you saw the special team struggle yesterday too. You know, Dan Quinn, or excuse me, Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, 
believes in his people. He empowers his football people, you know, makes a habit of taking care of his best players and his team leaders. You saw the deal that he did, which was a huge one with Julio Jones right before the season. You know, every press conference, Arthur Blank and his family sit in the front row. Every press conference, they come up, they hug Dan Quinn after, they talk. I mean, they are very involved. They are very supportive. At some point, it gets to that extent that can you really turn it around? Do you see progress here? And the next couple of games before they're by will probably say a lot about whether or not they feel like Dan Quinn still has a chance to turn that around. Tom, what is more accurate? The Cleveland Browns are wildly underachieving or the Cleveland Browns had expectations placed on them that were too lofty before the season? I I tend to think it's the latter. Now, they've been inconsistent like a lot of teams with new coaches. Uh, Now, Freddie Kitchens, of course, in a different category because he was running the offense at the end of last season after uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley got fired. But it's still... New scheme on defense. The offense is getting used to Freddie. Freddie's taking on a lot. Um, they got some new pieces like Odell Beckham Jr. that they're trying to fit in. Their offensive line we all knew was going to be one of the, the question marks on that team. It remains that way. I would expect that they're going to be seeking help before October 29th, the trade deadline, to see whether or not they can upgrade that unit. You see flashes. You see flashes how good the Browns can be, including in the first quarter of that game yesterday. They just they've not been able to put together – a consistent 60 minutes. I, I still think that with those types of playmakers, uh, they are a dangerous team. The problem is right now they're dangerous to themselves with penalties, with mistakes, with turnovers. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that keeps on getting them. But you know, I just mentioned the AFC North being so jam-packed. Those games between those teams, they beat the Ravens in Baltimore right a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that division is completely wide open, at least between uh, the teams that are not named the Bengals. Is Patrick Mahomes good enough to overcome what looks like a leaky offensive line and a defense they hope to fix, but it doesn't appear they have? They've had a lot of injuries. Um, the offensive line's been beat up defensively. Um, you know, they've been um, beat up there. Chris Jones not playing. They lost Xavier Williams. I mean, those are pretty, pretty good players up front on the defense. But Mahomes is, I mean, he's the best player we have in the NFL right now. He's playing on one and a half legs because of that ankle that he keeps tweaking every week. He is that good. He's got Tyree Kill back now. Um, you would think if things are able to, to heal up a little bit around him, he'll be okay. I also, you know, I texted somebody in the league yesterday about that game, about the Texans. And the response I got was they ran it, Chiefs ran it 11 times yesterday. You can't do that. You can't put the entire game on the home shoulders. I'm sure that was not Andy Reid's game plan going in, but. You know, they're at their best when they are balanced, and they got to find a way to run the football, too. Yeah. That is Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights here. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Uh, set the rest of the week for us on NFL Network. Where can people find you? I'm going to be everywhere. Uh, I'm in Fort Lauderdale right now. The NFL meetings are occurring the next couple of days. There may be a conversation or two about instant replay and the review process of pass interference and things like that, as there are basically every one of these meetings. Also, collective bargaining is going to be a big topic down here. Of course, owners are some of the owners of the uh, teams that are struggling are going to be asked about their coaching situation. So, ton of coverage of that over the next couple of days. I'll then be with the Vikings on Thursday. I'll be in Detroit. I'm trying to remember all this off the top of my head. Friday, I'm going to be in Detroit <laughs> with the Lions. Saturday, I will be out at NFL Films filling in, uh, hosting on uh, Good Morning Football. And then back to Detroit for Vikings-Lions. First uh, shot there, 8 a.m. Central Sunday morning. Should be fun. That's a lot of Detroit, Tom. It's a lot of Detroit. I might be getting the diamond this year on the uh, the Sky Miles. I got a real shot here. Counting it down. 13,000 to go. I think I got a That's impressive. You got We're rooting for you. You, you, you know this. that. We're in your corner. <laughs> all right. this, is, this is all I have left, Jeb. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye, Bye.
Uh, yeah, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. You think I'd get used to flying by then? Yes. With my yeah, you, serious deep phobia. I think it's more that your body would be used to like passing out that often from all the drugs that you were taking. <laughs> it's not commercial air travels. It's a pain, but it's not that bad. It's not that scary. Honestly, oh, no. when you when you travel Small that much, I'm do. sure I I don't know. Like I've never flown with Tom, but I think you probably at this point in your career with that many miles, you're probably getting upgraded to first class at least a certain no, that he percentage said, of the diamond. time, right? Yeah. He can like he's not essentially fly the plane now. Yeah, <laughs> he qualifies to be in the cockpit. Being yeah, like, he yeah, gets a seat in the cockpit. Yeah, let's land yeah. here. Just him and a blow up doll. It's like, all right, <laughs> excuse me, let's land now. It's an airplane joke. Yeah, I've never it. seen that airplane. They've been Bill Jabbar in the cockpit. I have. Okay, real, real Listen, quick, kid, you carry also. Are you guys like on the Browns thing? I asked him about the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I, I think the Cleveland Browns getting off to a slow start. And by the way, they have a bye week, so they're two and four. They have a bye week, and then guess what? At New England after the bye week, so they're so going to get easier. They're going to be two and five, but then they get a bunch of they get Buffalo, um, they get a, they get Miami, they get the Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger a couple times. Mm-hmm. But the most predictable thing in the NFL is the Browns getting off to a slower start than expectations. Because well, expectations were silly. Oh, this is a Super Bowl contender. And, really, dude? They haven't done anything in 25 years. Let's why, pump the brakes. And the thing I don't get is Freddie Kitchens, right? Why Freddie Kitchens? I know Baker likes him, and that's fine. But there's a big difference from being, hey, calling offensive plays to I'm in charge of this entire team now. Yeah, That's a big leap. And if you're, if you're going to say, okay, your team is going to go from what? Seven wins? And you're going to be a playoff team... You gotta have a guy that knows, I think, a little bit more about what he's doing. I mean, Freddie Kitchens might be a fine guy, but this—that was a big ask. So I'm not surprised. And I've heard, actually, it was it was teased yesterday. I was flipping around all the pregame shows, and I think it was Jay Glazer teased it going into a break, and I never caught the actual the actual segment itself, but alluding to some Odell Beckham Jr. trade rumors. Oh, already, I saw, I saw that tweeted out. Yeah, there. Yeah, that came out last week. Yeah, that, is there anything to I it? I don't think so. I think it's BS. I think it's. Could BS. you imagine if that if 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 they went from because, Super Bowl contenders and like four we were, weeks later we were talking with Fitz, Jason Fitz, on Friday here on the show, and he joins us every Friday, and he said that, he, and I'm pretty sure he prefaced this by saying it's pretty much just speculation, knowing what he knows about Odell Beckham and the guy that he is, that he wonders if Odell Beckham Jr. can be happy in Cleveland, playing in that city. This is a guy who. Went to LSU, one of the top programs, big spotlight on you there. Went to New York, biggest market in the country. Obviously, a lot of attention comes with that. And Fitz was saying he he wonders if OBJ is actually happy living and playing in a city like Cleveland. All due respect to Danny I mean, Cunningham. Would anyone really, let's be honest, Danny Earmuffs, love you. <laughs> Do you think that OBJ one day in his life is ever truly going to be like, you know what, I'm just happy today? Guys like him always find something to be not happy about, but if they win, who cares, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be two and five in two weeks. But two the, and five. They, but th- this is the least surprising storyline to me in football. And by the way, they might still flirt with the playoffs. Here's even what after I want. starting two and five. Here's what I want when at, at the deal that Tom's at right now. Clear up this uh, PI ruling and throwing the. Fl- Nobody it's knows. It, this has gotten to be. This is stupid. It's a gong show. And every week now, it's a problem. Yeah, I love how the Vikings' offensive pass interference against the Packers is like the only one that was overturned all year, basically. Well, there's two, like, right? That that and, and the Thursday night Philadelphia-Green Bay game, on which they reviewed a non-scoring play, yeah. it makes no sense. But the rest of these things, you can basically kill a guy and they won't call it. Yeah. Hey, uh, we have breaking news. 
the Eagles are releasing Zach Brown per what? Adam Schefter. He's just gone. He's gone. No, perhaps the Vikings can sign him. <laughs> Kirk Cousins talk for him. Just done with him. They're just done with him. Yeah. All right. Apparently. How's, uh, how's Kirk looking now? <laughs> By the way, do you guys hear that? Do you guys hear that? What oh, what? Oh, yeah, what is oh, that? Oh, what's that? that coming from? Oh, what is that? No, I can't, I can't oh, yeah. hear stuff. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about that when we come back. Green there, though. The receiver playing quarterback. Direct snap. Rodney Smith. I haven't had an eight-game winning streak in 70 years. That's a long time. That's in the 40s, everyone. And I know it's just Coach Beak, it's Coach Fleck just talking about what we haven't done to make himself or his program look better, but it's uh, it's true. That's a special group of guys. We're 6-0, and we're bowl eligible. That's great. Took us the last game of the season last year against Wisconsin for the Axe to get bowl eligible last year. Now we have half the year left. We're going to be 0-0 and tomorrow morning. We look to be 1-0 and against Rutgers. How about your boys? Come on, Rami. How about your club? We got, we got James we, Murphy in is there. Is this a thing? Oh, oh Mur- thing? Murph. Don't do that to Murph. Don't do that to Murph. Murph, he, it's not fair to him. Is he clapping? I can't yeah, see Murph. Mean, it's not fair to him. No, because he's, his hopes are going to get too high now. By the way, Murph has him, go into Murph had him on 10 game. wins. I have him on uh, 9 wins. You know what? Good and for I them. I might have to up that projection after a 6-0 start with a 30-point favorite against Rutgers when the lines came out not enough. this weekend. It's not enough. Rutgers has higher. scored like 7 points in the last month Com- combined. They fired four their games. coach a month ago. Boy, they fired Chris Ash a month ago. So they're going to be they're going to be six. Uh, they're going to be seven. This is the first time the Gophers have been six and zero oh since nineteen forty nine. They're going to be seven and zero oh because yeah. there's no way they. I know it's a road game, but there's no way they can lose to Rutgers. Correct. Home against Maryland. Maryland's not very good either. Win that not as much of a pushover, but eight, it's a home game. Eight and zero. Oh. It's eight and zero. Oh, almost certainly going into the Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin stretch. So at this point, nine and three in the regular season is sort of a minimum. And uh, we'll see what happens against some of these what's ranked the stretch teams. A, what's the stretch after uh, Maryland? You get Penn State at home. Okay, they might lose that game. That's a tough game. They could win it, it but it's a tough game. Penn State's number 7 in the country right now. Gophers are 20th, by the way. Gophers mm-hmm. are ranked in the AP poll as 20th today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa is 23rd today. That's a road game. Northwestern, you know, you I should be you able win to win that, that game. I think you win that game. And then home against, as of right now, Bucky. number 6 ranked Wisconsin. Bucky, man. steamrolling everybody. They're pretty good. Yeah, they've been destroying everybody. So here we are. This is the best go for football season, uh, at least the start to a season that in my lifetime and in everyone's lifetime, except for Patrick Royce, because he was alive in 1949. We'll, we'll talk to him later in the show, too. But I guess my main point I want to make here is it's like for some reason, we've just half of the people in this state have just never given PJ for like a chance because he's kind of quirky and weird and he's very enthusiastic. He has motivational quotes. And some people don't like motivational quotes, but the fact is, he's bringing in really good players. He's the first six and zero coach since the nineteen forties, and I think even if you don't jive with the way that he coaches and communicates, this guy deserves a ton of credit for what he's done so far this year. And going back to last year, the Gophers hadn't beat Wisconsin since like two thousand three, mm-hmm. and he takes the axe. Uh, the last game of the regular season, and it was the quick lane bowl after that, but they won a bowl game. And so I think he just deserves a lot of credit, and there's a lot of people that thought he was just full of hot air 
and he was Tim Brewster, and he is not those things. He can coach two two things. He can recruit effectively, no question about that. And, and I think that he and his staff offensively can coach. And the biggest fault was was the first DC that, that he fired. What after Illinois last year? That awful stretch was terrible. Defensively, now I don't know they're great, but they're good. But this guy can coach offense. the The Brewster problem was was that Fleck came along, and there hadn't been a huge ton of time there. Like there had been some time, but not a huge ton of time. And so Fleck, as as you just said, Phil seemed quirky, and yes, he's very raw, raw and stuff. But I think flat out, a lot of people who knew who know a lot about college football wrote and talked about the fact that this guy can coach offense. And offensively, they're damn good. They can run. They can throw. They've got those two receivers, or three of them, are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. So, yeah, but this is fun. This is great. Gopher football has not been been relevant for any amount of time in my lifetime, basically. So if they can go on, and I'm not asking them to be fantastic, but if they can go on, I don't know, take your pick, a five-year run where, where they're com- consistently competitive, Big Ten West, which is fine. I'll be very happy. Yeah, I'll add one more thing to that too. If you let's take out the top ten to fifteen ironclad programs in the country right now that are just set, like Ohio State. They, I think they like their situation right now post Urban Meyer. Maybe not in love with it, but like they're in a good spot right now. Alabama, Nick Saban, Clemson with Dabo. Like there's there's ten to fifteen, just let's say ten ironclad situations right now. If you took all the other situations in college football right now and said, right now, you don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season with the Gophers, but based on what you've seen from P.J. Fleck at Western Michigan and in two and a half years at Minnesota, would you swap your coach for P.J. Fleck? Money equal. And I guarantee that percentage is way over 50. Does it come with row the boat? I think that's the question a lot of them are asking. It would come with row the boat. They want that sweet, sweet row the boat merchandise money. I mean, if you're... (laughs) If you're the Gophers, would you hang on to it that? It can be bought. That's been proven. Bring oh, it. Yeah. We'll sell it. Bring sure. Tracy Clays back and say, Tracy, we want to hire you back, but you have to keep row the boat. Like, we've got the trademark on this. Tracy Clays left Washington State. Left or? No, he left. He quit. Okay. Their defense collapsed, and he just quit and walked away. Yeah, I got to say, though, this is kind of not fair to me, this Minnesota Gophers success. It's a, it's a little unfair to me because I remember when I came to interview for the job here at Score North, and was going out for lunch with the two of you. And I remember this conversation distinctly. We were sitting in Mackie's car, driving to a diner up the street. And you guys were asking me, not like quizzing me, not like, oh, what do you know? Do you, know? you were just like, so what do you think are your strengths and weaknesses when it comes to Minnesota sports? I said, well, I got the Vikings down there in the NFC North. Uh, I got the Wolves down. They're all former. They're all former Bulls, so I know that team pretty well. At <laughs> that the time. was true at the time. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm a baseball nerd, so I think I got a pretty good idea of what's going on with the Twins. Hockey, don't even ask me. And I got to admit, I don't know a lot about go for football. And I remember Judd chuckling and going, "You won't have to worry about that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I did. <laughs> and now and I have to worry about that. Now there's more work involved, more things I have to watch and pay attention to. Not fair. Sorry about that. Ronnie. I didn't sign up for this. Sorry, I lied to you. I didn't but, sign up for go for success. We're, but like, we're kind of with the fact that they're ranked twentieth. If they win their next two games, you know, and again, they're not playing Ohio State next week or the week after. Like beating Rutgers or ever for the season, right? But beating Rutgers is it's a bye week, but you have to complete it. They're going to be a top fifteen team most likely when they get Penn State, and then I have, I don't have Penn State schedule in front of me, but they're going to be a top fifteen team. 
And there are even, I'm getting way ahead of myself now, but there are people circling the Iowa game because it's a big rivalry game. There are people circling that game as a potential ESPN college game day situation, too. So I'm just I'm just saying, like, this is, we've gone from... Could Wisconsin be? Yeah, well, the, the Gophers would have to win. Mm-hmm. Could they I mean, come if the here? Gopher, if the Gophers were a one-loss team... Never been here, by the way. And nor ESPN should they. College nor, game nor should they never up until been, this point. Never been here. But could you... Could you have imagined the road we're talking about here when they were grinding these games out the first couple of weeks of the of the non-conference well, schedule, no. right? like Georgia Southern? No, I couldn't have. You know, South Dakota State, and here we are. And I think it's kind of fun. I think PJ Fleck is fun. They've got two NFL wide receivers. They can throw the ball around. They can run the ball. They got three running backs. They got a four hundred pound right tackle. For God's sake, he didn't play on Saturday though. He was hurt. But he's still 400 and they pounds. Still, and did they abuse, by the way, whomever said Nebraska, oh, watch out, was at least two years off, I, I think. Yeah. Trust the process is what they're saying. Why? No. Dude, I they, watched dude, it. Dude, dude, they hyped up. I don't trust it. By they, I mean everybody. But I was watching game day the huh? morning of the Ohio State-Nebraska game, which was the primetime game on that Saturday night. Was it a couple weeks ago? I think it was a couple weeks ago or last week, whenever it was. And they hyped that thing up like... No, this is Nebraska's back. And the whole thing was all these legends from the past and how Scott Frost is bringing the old school style of Nebraska football back. And this is, this is, can Nebraska jump up and Ohio State gets skittish in some of these big national TV games at night? And this is a trap game. And Ohio State was up like 41 to nothing after five minutes. You know, did you Nebraska's say not, I mean, credit to the Gophers for doing what they had to do, but. I don't know, like what? Why? Why are we so desperate to hype up Nebraska? I don't know. Because they my were question. good when, when they were good in the seventies, in the nineties for for a few 80s years for a while. Like, it's been twenty years since they were. Did relevant. you say trust the the process? Process. Okay, that's yeah. That's enough to make me want to puke on them. That's de- that's definitely a thing. <laughs> I didn't. I have not heard that, and that is. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, they started zero and six last year, and there were signs that said trust the process. It's like the Sixers. How many first round picks wow. did they get? <laughs> Did Nebraska get a bunch of first round picks? Yeah, where's Ben Simmons? Something? <laughs> exactly. Trust the process? Somebody really did that? Yeah. Somebody thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Well, Big Ten West. Wisconsin's really good, I think, right? Iowa's good. Minnesota's good. And am I missing any teams after that? Um, in the West, those are the, I mean, those I mean, are the, the West three is main not ones that. in the West. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because going into the season, well, Penn, Penn State in the East is ranked seventh right now, and uh, Michigan is still ranked sixteenth. And Iowa's not great. I think they're good, but I don't think they're great. Yeah, they're, Wisconsin uh, might be great. They're gettable. It's funny because at the beginning of the year, I was like, ah, oh, there's really no powerhouse in the West, and now there's legitimately going to be three top fifteen teams in a couple weeks yeah, here if Iowa wins a couple games. And uh, so Iowa gets Purdue this weekend. They're ranked twenty third. They're going to win that, jump into the top twenty. So after this weekend, there's going to be three top twenty teams. In the West Division, and then Iowa gets Northwestern after that. So Iowa is going to have uh, likely six wins. But this hmm. is shaping up to be one of the most fun November stretches of Gopher football that we've seen in a long time. Absolutely. They almost always buzz kill it before this, even when they're expected to do good things. And I don't know what you're talking about. Like the one year that Glenn Mason like had 2003? three NFL running backs. 2003, Phil, is that what you're referring to? And that was a five and zero start. That was the Michigan game. Halloween night? Or no, that was before then. That was somewhere in that. I was in Green Bay watching that game, and yeah, that was... uh, I I believe that you told me you were there, right? Uh, Yes. At the Metrodome that night? What happened again? We were were scheming to 
charge the field and get past security while the Gophers were blowing a three-touchdown lead in the you fourth You thought quarter. you were going to Pasadena. That was the problem. Why were you going to charge the field when they were losing? They weren't. No, no, no. <laughs> no, they no, weren't. We have a lot of Gopher football to catch you up on. Yeah, okay, yeah. They weren't I, losing at that the moment. The Gophers in 2003 were playing Michigan. And the and both, it was like the Gophers literally had three NFL running backs and ran for 350 yards every single game. And they and they and the Gophers never beat Michigan at that time, and they were up three touchdowns on Michigan in the fourth quarter, and all of us in the student section were like, "Oh my god! Like this is they're winning this game. This team is legitimately going to be Rose Bowl bound." And uh, while we were plotting to get on the field, how do we get past security to tear the goalpost down? Right, <laughs> like all the chatter in the student section. <laughs> oh, there's a touchdown for Michigan. Oh, there's a pick six or whatever. Yeah. So, but. No Michigan on the schedule this year. No Michigan. No Ohio State. No Ohio State. <laughs> they can't rain on Mackey's parade this year. Nope. Nope. Not going to happen. Not even if they wanted to. So, all right. Patrick Royce, get his thoughts on the state of the Gophers, because he was mocking them on Twitter the other night, too. And, Something uh, tells me he, he's going to continue to mock. I think that was more just Patrick trolling. I mean, come on. The man at trolls. Some point, the troll, at some the point, you living. have to admit you were wrong about P.J. Fleck. We'll see if he admits that when we come back here. It's going to take more than this. All right. Let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard. And uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota definitely helped me with this uh, beautiful 2019 RAV4 XLE that I took on a road trip up to Door County earlier uh, this weekend, this last Thursday. And what a great, just a great, safe vehicle for road tripping, spaciousness, and uh, just just feeling safe when the conditions are Subpar, as we saw in the Twin Cities this weekend and yesterday when it was hailing and sleeting and pounding rain for five and a half hours. But with all of the safety features that uh, help keep you within the lines and at safe distances from vehicles in front of you and slam on the brakes, even before you know what you're doing to slam on the brakes, combine all of that with great gas mileage, spaciousness of an SUV and the handling of a Camry and a Corolla. And there's a reason why it's one of the best SUVs in the world right now. It's the 2019 RAV4 XLE, available on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther Brookdale Toyota. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download. You can join Dan Terrar, Callum Williams, Kinder D. St. Ahmed, and J.B. Watson and myself this Sunday for Minnesota United playoff action as they host the L.A. Galaxy in the first round of the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs from Allianz Field. Pre-game at 7 p.m. with kickoff at 7.30 on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. Despite 333 yards passing and four touchdowns, Kirk Cousins still feels like there was still some plays left out on the field. You go where your reads take you, and when Coach calls the play, he's not saying, hey, get it to Digsy. He's saying, read it out, and if anything, he's saying, you know, don't be afraid to take the check down, don't force it. So when the way coverage played today, you know, it gave Diggs some chances, and we missed a post at the end of the half. You know, he probably could have had four. Also, Adam Thielen could have had a second one today, and I thought the throw was what prevented it from happening. You know, he's got a chance to score, too. So, you know, I feel like we left some out there as well, but because we were able to keep going and be productive, you know, it didn't come back to haunt us. We've been asking the question. We asked it on Purple Daily. We asked it earlier today. Is this the type of offense the Vikings need to use going forward throughout the rest of the season? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKO North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Mackie and Judith Rami. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. We'll talk some Vikings with Patrick Royce. We wrap with Royce every day on the show. And Pat... Uh, Gopher Nation I, is Gopher Nation is me, listening, and the floor is yours to to apologize. Go ahead. Let me say something first. I hate the humble 
cousins. <laughs> I like the arrogant cousins much more than the humble cousins there. Uh, well, if I was uh, if I was the University of Nebraska, I would uh, stop believing the uh, notion that uh, you're a uh, you know that you you really got her turned around and you're on your way. If that's your uh, number two quarterback uh, in a program of some uh, that has some history, it's it's pretty awful. That said, the Gophers physically knocked the hell out of them, and that was uh, that was definitely impressive. Those uh, running backs that uh, Jerry Kill and Tracy Clay's recruited are really pretty good. Oh, here we go. There it is, right there. <laughs> Shannon Brooks is running. Well, you didn't expect any less, did you? I mean, you 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 set me up for the uh, you set me up for that. So anyway, so that was uh, yeah, that was pretty good. And that Tyler Johnson. I, are we going to have upset receivers because they're not getting the ball enough because the running game's too good? Yeah, I think Tanner Morgan's going to have to apologize. <laughs> Somebody. Yeah, they're not going. They're not going to classes. Oh no! By the way, uh, by the way, uh, I think that's a real trap game at Rutgers because they're only 20, 28 and a half point favorites on the road. Have our Gophers ever been twenty eight and a half point favorites on the road in a Big Ten game? I mean, I would say absolutely not. There's none, certainly no, not since I've been back, watching Gopher football. Back when they were good, uh, you know the. Teams didn't score points, you know. I mean, the Gophers national championship team would beat you twenty to seven back in nineteen sixty, and in the mid sixties, yeah, once in a while they put it up, but but you know, fourteen was a huge number, and certainly on the road. But uh, this Rutgers, I was just I was just in the Star Tribune looking up some Rutgers stuff, and uh, their beat writer from the Newark paper, a very supportive guy named Steve. On, uh, on, I think I think the the Monday the Saturday story said uh, this is the lowest point in Rutgers football history. The next day said Rutgers is the worst. It should be the Rutgers appears to be the worst team in Big Ten history. And then uh, I think the the follow today was whoever gets the job is looking at a several year rebuild. Rebuild to what? <laughs> you know. Rebuild to what? Yeah, but, Unbelievable. But the Rutgers has played four conference games so far this year. They've been outscored 165 to 7. Come on back, Greg Schiano. <laughs> That's not good. Did you, well, they, they want him to take the job. I know. Uh, they, a lot of people, but I don't. he's not sure he wants to take it. And I don't blame him. But did you see their passing yards for uh, on Saturday? One. What? One. <laughs> One? Apparently they completed a, yard? a few passes. Yes, one. I think they completed a few passes, but they got tackled behind the line of scrimmage. That happens. <laughs> That's amazing. I've got it right here. One. So they were. They're okay. No, I, I'm looking at it. So you're talking about Rutgers here? Yeah, they yeah. were. It says yes. 13 of 25 for 163. Um, unless they were sacked. No, when, or something. That must have been two weeks ago. That uh, they they it's a, it's a big story that they they had. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I was looking at the Maryland game, which they lost 48 to yeah. seven. By the way, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rutgers went five of 13 for one yard passing on Saturday <laughs> yeah. against Indiana. Yeah, and they and in the and and in the uh, in college football they deduct sack yardage from rushing, so. It must have been four of their passes had to be behind line scrimmage. God. So, unreal. Anyway, yes, the Gophers look very good, and uh, uh, they're gonna, they should be 8-0 when uh, Penn State comes to town, and they should fill that place up, I would guess. 
right? Two weeks, three weeks, right? Two yeah. weeks they played. No, they get a buy before Penn State, too, right? I think you're right, yes. They, yes. I think they get a buy before Penn State. I think so. that's correct. Maryland has ripped Maryland has ripped them up uh, two years in a row, but it does not appear that, uh, you know, all that early season pub they got, they, they appear to be terrible, too. The two teams... Their next two opponents got outscored 75-14 by Purdue and Indiana over the weekend. So yeah. I would say the Gophers, uh, Gophers, uh, 28 and a half point favorites this week, and they'll be they'll be uh, over 14 against uh, Maryland. So it should be eight and zero. Hey Padgett, and uh, did you see? But what? I, I will say, as I pointed out to Judd, that. Uh, the great thing about the Gophers being this good is that Gopher football fans have never been easier to troll. It's uh, fantastic. It's 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 it, it makes my life uh, happy, and uh, especially when they start with the personal insults, I really feel okay. I feel like you've really I feel like you've really gotten them when they start saying, "Yeah, well, you're jealous because he's he you're fatter than him." <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> well. I know, like knowing you for a while now, I know you're not jealous of PJ Fleck, but is there, is there, are you, how far down this path are you? Like, are you, if they, like, they're going to go 8 0 and they're going to play Penn State, at what point do you say, okay, this is, he's legitimate and this program is legitimately headed in a direction that it hasn't for a long time? Like, at what point, people want to know, at what point will you give credit to the Gopher football program and PJ Fleck? Judd will tell you that uh, I uh, and Reavers and everybody else. I never said he couldn't coach. I just said he was a pain in the ass with all his BS, and uh, that's uh, I'm sticking there. I'm sticking with that, and we'll see. You know, is it BS if it works? Ranked, last time, last time, the, yes, it's still BS. Okay. And last time, uh, in, in fact, it's worse because you're taking advantage of simple, young-minded youth. If you're doing that, so anyway, I think he should. You know, it's it's offensive, but no, I'm joking. So, <laughs> you're not. That's fine. Uh, Only a little bit. You know, Only a little bit. You know, but but let me uh, let me say that uh, you know, last time they were ranked twentieth. You know, who was seven and one? Don't you? Illinois. Coach Brew. Oh yeah, yeah. The Illinois game is what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, after the Illinois game, once you turn the program around, and then they then they lost Eric Decker, and all hell went to them. And by the time that season was over, they were losing to Iowa fifty-five to nothing, which is not going to happen. No, they got a good team. I mean, they're offensively they got a lot of players, and defensively, uh, either the defensive line is getting a lot better, or Nebraska's Nebraska's got to get back to get the steroids back in the uh, weight room down there and do something. Might be a little bit of both. They just ran yeah. through. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, Ricey, did did you see the uh, roster move made by the Eagles late this afternoon? Kirk no. Kirk Cousins is now costing people their job. Zach Brown released by Philadelphia today. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is daggering jobs. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, that's that's the apparently uh, when Zim pointed out that uh, Zim pointed out in the press conference how that fired everybody up. That was the end of Zach Brown. What is he? An offensive lineman or defensive linebacker? Defensive line linebacker. Linebacker. Okay. I didn't. And he he'd been kicking around, right? It's yeah. Like he yeah, he's not that good. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have been talking no. in the first place. But it's it's hysterically you know funny. What I say about you know what I told you today. I said, obviously Zach Brown is a uh, P one listener to the uh, Vikings Daily Show on Score North because he didn't say anything that didn't get said all week on our station. So. Yeah. 
Collar's right. been let go too. <laughs> Phil just released Collar. Put him on outright waivers. We think he might be picked up by CCO. We're not sure. Collar had apoplexy today when I was telling him how right I was about Kirk Cousins being a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Who I don't and and that and and point B, the Eagles would have never won the Super Bowl if Carson Wentz hadn't gotten hurt. Collar uh, Collar uh, did not like either of those things. He thinks Carson Wentz is great. I want to see. I want to see. Uh, yeah, I was Collar impressed. versus Royce in a takeoff here sometime this week. <laughs> Could be interesting. All I right, love, Pat. I love Collar. I love Collar. The only difference between Collar and I is he's basing it on research. I'm just basing it on. I will see you tomorrow. Pat. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Pat. Uh, that's rapping with Royce. Right. <laughs> he basically he was, he, he was wound up he, today. He just said that PJ Fleck is taking advantage of and corrupting young kids. I, I think he's just kidding around. <laughs> I don't think he is. I he's not. Know. He's not kidding. He's, uh, I think there's a, a little bit of truth in every joke, even if he was kidding around. Yeah, I would say it was ninety percent truth, but ten percent. Judd talks about the fact that coaching and trying to get the most out of guys is essentially manipulating. It is. You're just That's trying all to it manipulate is. Yeah, 100%. people. Yeah. You're try- and you're trying to win. So, yeah, you're, you're trying to trick your linebacker into right. you know making a couple more tackles. Kirk Cousins costing people their job is one of my favorite so parts toying, of this Monday. Toying with the minds of young men is no. it, it's exactly what PJ Fleck is it's, supposed to be doing. That's yeah. his job description. description. Yeah. yeah, we are Mackie and Judd with Rami. Podcastable Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app. See you tomorrow. I mean, it's lazy but catchy.